Today is October 2nd, 2020. This is episode 41 of Back to Normal, so let's get started. All right, in today's episode, I was planning to talk about um, this article that I have read um, in the last couple of days on The Atlantic about the coronavirus and how it spreads and how differently it spreads from a lot of other viruses that we're used to and, and diseases that we're used to um, with these super spreader events. And I'm still going to talk about that, but I'm going to talk about that in connection to the biggest news in the last, I mean, two days, I guess, because things are crazy and news happens so fast these days. Um, yeah, so Donald Trump and Melania Trump and at least one other person close to the administration has the coronavirus right now. Um, they were all together without masks on, traveling in closed quarters and spending a lot of time indoors. Two days ago as of Thursday, three days ago as of today. Um, this is bad. This is like of all the threats to democracy that has ever happened in the last four years. This is the worst one. Like this is just bad. Um, because you know who else was in that room? It's possibly being spread to the entire democratic administration like the, the core of the democratic administration was there for the debate and though they were physically separated both the candidates and the um people i guess the the kind of support group the posse for joe biden <laughs> it's weird calling them posse but i don't have a better word for it um that is bad that's like no matter what happens no matter what the fallout from this is that's bad and um, I am not, I'm certainly not going to get on here and say that I'm glad that this person um, has a virus or any of any of the people in the Trump administration has the virus. Um, that's not at all the point here. The point here is um, a group of people did not take something seriously that they were warned repeatedly about. And this was always the natural consequence. Um, but I will say that of all the things that have happened in the, in the last four years in America, this is the one that makes the most sense. There, This was never in doubt um, that this was eventually going to happen. At least for me anyways, it was just, it was not being taken seriously. And as we're going to talk about in this episode, because I want to talk about um, COVID super spreader events, this was a matter of time because if you keep buying lottery tickets and the odds of winning the lottery are good enough, you're going to win eventually. And this is not a one in a million lottery. This is, this is something that I think what is it? If it's 7 million something cases right now, we're at almost like we're, I think we're over 1%, right? Because there's 300 something million where like 2% of the US has got it, has had it at some point. So um, yeah, you can only avoid it for so long. And I, I don't think we're going to get either of these presidential candidates passing away from this or even getting really sick. Uh, but it's possible. We saw it with Boris Johnson and they are going to have access to the best medical care in the world. And so, like I said, I'm not I'm not 100% worried about their health. And we are also like seven or eight months in. So there is um, there's substantial therapeutic techniques and um, prophylactic techniques that can be undertaken to prevent people from either getting very sick or getting worse. Um, but both these men are in their 70s. And presumably, because everyone has at least one pre-existing condition, um, presumably they are potentially quite susceptible to this. Um, the reason I'm talking about both of them is because on Tuesday they were both in a room together and while they were six feet apart I we've known for a while that six feet is not some magic number that means you can't get sick outside of it it's not like someone has a bubble around them at six feet if they're sick um 
that's just kind of the best estimate before we knew it was airborne. And um, we know that doing things like talking loudly or um, or singing, I mean, Trump wasn't singing, but he was definitely talking loudly. Um, he was talking directly at Chris Wallace. I, I sincerely hope all of them, the entire group that was there are all being tested. The um, interesting fact, the Cleveland Clinic, which is where this was debate was held, has a rule, a specific rule about needing to wear masks in there. And half the room flaunted that specifically. And because, uh, of course, they did. Um, this really upsets me because it's it's just something that everyone knew was bound to happen. And it sucks. It really sucks. Um, and it sucks for a lot of different reasons to a lot of different people. Um, this is not good for democracy. It's not good for the election. And the only possible good thing that can come out of it is if if by some chance it contributes to him not winning re-election. That's the only good thing that can come out of this. Um, him getting this virus and dying is not good for democracy um, because he has a cult around him. And that group is not going to just sit down if he is if he dies from something that he has repeatedly called a hoax. Um, I just see that going real bad. These people are already believing in a number of different conspiracy theories. I am certain that there will be conspiracy theories around this. There's already conspiracy theories. Well, I, I, I rushed to, I hesitate to rush to call it a conspiracy theory because it's brand new and we don't really have evidence in either direction yet. But um, there are some people saying online that he probably doesn't have it. And if he makes up that he does have it, he can get some sympathy and then he can turn around in a week or two and say, listen, e either listen, I can't debate for obvious reasons because I need to be quarantined. So I'm, I'm out of the debates. And then he can bounce back shortly thereafter and say, oh, I'm I'm back. I'm healthy. It was no big deal. I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say that I believe in that conspiracy theory, but I'm going to let wait and see if we have some evidence of it. Um, before making any kind of conclusive statement. However, it would make sense with his personality and his pre predilection for lying that uh, that he would do that as some kind of political calculus. That would be, in my opinion, that would be even worse than him actually having it because, um, first of all, it would be this massive lie. It would sway opinion. And it's this massive political power play that kind of makes light of, the, even further makes light of the 200,000 plus Americans that have died from this. Um, so this has been a long time. I want to get to this rest of this episode that I had planned last night when I just knew that Hope Hicks had tested positive. Um, and it actually kind of connects to this because this article, which I'm going to link in the show notes for this episode, um, is looking at the, so what we've been used to hearing about in coronavirus and in viral outbreaks and epidemiology, now that we're all epidemiologists, um, is this value of R naught. And that's the reproduct the base reproductive rate of a virus in a population. And basically, it, it tells you on average how many people are getting sick from every infected person. So if every infected person is infecting exactly one other person uh, on average, then you get an R naught of one. And if it's higher than one, if each person is infecting more than one person, then you are spreading the virus. And if each person is infecting less than one person, then you the virus is contracting in numbers and will eventually be eradicated. And the idea here is that R0 is this ideal value, which is how the how the virus would spread through a population with absolutely no change in behavior. And because 
that doesn't happen um, are not is always theoretical. And what you end up with, what you end up actually needing to calculate or figure out is what's just called R. And so that's the reproductive rate in reality. And this number is always changing um, because new information about who's infecting who is always coming out. Um, but the, what this article talks about is this new, this other variable in epidemiology called K. And it is the over dispersion of uh, a virus. And basically what this, what this represents, what this variable is trying to communicate is how likely the, um, how likely an outbreak is to seed randomly or to seed kind of in a consistent way. And what we saw, what we see with most flus and like seasonal colds and all that is that you tend to see the, the value of R0 or the value of R being very close in no matter how it's contracted. Like if, if, if a virus has an R0 of two, usually we see that that means that most people are infecting two other people. Um, and that would have that would have a certain impact on how we do epidemiological studies. Um, if you know that one person is going to give it to two other people, then contacting any people that the, that person was in contact with can really help um, to slow the virus down. But in the case of the um, the COVID nineteen virus, I'm going to use that terminology wrong. Um, but in the case of this pandemic, you what we're seeing, what the data is showing, is that most people are not spreading the virus to anybody. I think it said 68%. I would encourage you to read this article. Um, but a giant number of people are not, um, are not infecting anybody. Whereas, yeah, so 19% of cases were responsible for 80% of, of transmission and 69% of cases did not infect anybody else. So almost everybody does not spread this virus, but the people who do spread it are sp sprinkled randomly throughout the population and they don't know it. And they are spreading it to potentially tens or hundreds or even thousands of people. There's a there's a case they talk about, which was which made the news a few months ago in South Korea about how one person kind of went, got sick, traveled, went to I think it was like a mall and then they went to a mega church and ended up that one case ended up leading to 5000 cases. And we just don't see we just don't see that. Um, we don't see that with most flus. We don't see one person having the capacity to cause that much of a domino effect. And even now, the stories we're hearing about in Ottawa in our public health, um, where they're always talking about this one person who was sick and didn't um, didn't isolate the way they were supposed to, didn't get tested, and ended up giving it to. We talked. I think they talked about a house party that ended up getting about forty people sick, um, a barbecue, an outdoor barbecue with like friends and family that ended up getting a bunch of people sick, and. So the idea is here, and another one that we heard about just, I think, yesterday or the day before, there are a bunch of restaurants in downtown Ottawa that have had to close um, due to positive cases. And it turns out that these are all likely linked to one pair of bar regulars bar hopping during a pandemic going in like, so the, the, the story here is that they tested positive or I forget if they tested positive or they had had symptoms, but they were waiting for results. And while they were waiting for results, they went to a bunch of different bars on Elgin Street in our downtown. And now all of those and then they got back a positive result. And now all those bars have had to close. And it's unclear whether this is going to be a super spreader event or whether any of the visits to bars are going to be a super spreader event. But like it's it's horribly unethical and immoral to be doing that, obviously. 
and just shows a complete disregard for for public safety and public health. Um, but it's fascinating to me that um, this virus is so different from what we're used to seeing. And one of the things that the article talks about is how contact tracing is much more successful if you do it differently than than we tend to do with this kind of um, this kind of public health crisis. And what we usually do is do forward contact tracing, which involves um, calling a person who is who has been found to have a positive test and saying, who have you been in contact with in the last few days that might that you might have gotten sick? And then they contact those people. So it's called like forward contact tracing. You trace the contacts of that person who got sick since they got sick. And what they're now looking at doing, what places like Japan have been doing, again, according to this article, I'm taking everything in this article as fact because it's got lots of um, citations and and links backing up the information. Um, so what they what they do in J Japan and, and some other Asian countries, uh, I think they said they also did in Sweden, um, is... Rather than doing this forward contact tracing, they do backwards contact tracing because of the rarity of these super spreader events, but their predilection to cause a bunch of cases. Um, so what they do is they ask positive cases that are in a kind of in a clustered area, where were you that you might have caught um, this virus? Not who have you been in contact with, but where have you been? And then trace, try to trace that back, try to trace all these cases in a, in a potential cluster back to one spot and or back to one person like one path potentially if it's if it's one person who's kind of moving around and japan for example has been very very good with containing this virus and so there's a bunch of evidence that this is the best way to do it is to to figure out where things happen and this actually happened with um I, th I forget where it was but it was in quebec and a bunch of places they basically said if you went to a bar in montreal on from this date to this date go get tested because you you may have been exposed and i think in south korea they did the same thing with a nightclub and we were able to trace a bunch of cases that way not by saying who is this person in contact who have you been in contact with since you got sick um but where did you get it and trying to find one common cause for multiple cases to be able to say to the other people that were in that area please go get tested because you might have been responsible you might have been part of this super spreader event and so this this seems like a really useful strategy and and the ways the kind of randomness with which the the virus has kind of seeded itself around the world over time like we're seeing we're seeing it kind of circle the globe obviously because people are still traveling and still sick but um the way effects have been so different in different countries and have been so different over time in these different countries um it seems like there's pretty clear evidence that this is this is what's happening and this is an explanation for for why things are happening in the way they are um yeah, I'd never heard of backwards contact tracing before, but it seems like a really, really great um, extra solution. And I hope that our public health experts are doing it. Um, Canada also recently um, accepted or, or endorsed a, um, a rapid COVID test, which apparently is extremely useful for, for this backward contact tracing strategy. And because it lets you know really quickly if a bunch of people are not positive and you can kind of rule them out and so I'm really glad to see that we're doing this and that they've ordered just a bunch of um, tests. Apparently, I was talking with a friend the other, um, yesterday, and th these are a little different, most of these rapid tests, because while something like a PCR test, the, the swab test that we're usually used to, that um, can take a couple days, is that they, those machines can process a bunch of tests all at once, but it takes a while to process them. Whereas these point of, um, point of care tests, which which can be a lot quicker... 
Um, they only take 15 minutes, but you can only do one at a time. And so it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out with um, with processing these tests, because we're now we've now in, in Ontario gotten pharmacies able to do tests on asymptomatic people and get hopefully this paired with 15 minute results because they only have appointments every 15 minutes. Hopefully that means that they can um, they can not have this back, not have backlog to work through and only do enough tests that they can actually process in a day. Um, but it's certainly very interesting kind of in terms of how this is going to go to to see that happening. So all that being said, I encourage you, um, I'm going to share a couple links in the show notes to to the things I talked about. Um, I encourage you to go and read this article from The Atlantic about super spreading because um, I wouldn't say that it's going to change my perspective on and my behavior on what I'm going to do because I basically thought this anyways. I was like, I was seeing... Um, I just didn't want to attend an event where it happened to get people sick, but I didn't think about it in the context of super spreading events um, because it basically is like rolling a dice or buying a lottery ticket. Each time you go and do something unsafe, it's like, is this going to be the thing where a uh, super spreader is present and is giving it to everybody? So um, I'm going to leave it there for now. Thank you very much for listening and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.